Hey, this is Adam Green, creator of the Hatchet franchise and the TV show Holliston, and you are listening to Nightmare Junkhead. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that never ever repeats phrases into a mirror my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're kicking off two months of slashers psychos and sickos as we start our summer of slasher series and we begin by taking a bite out of the 1992 classic Candyman. <laughs> but before we get into that, let me remind you we're part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. You can find all of our past episodes at boomhowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. I'll open your sweets to the sweet hole. And if you are uh, out uh, doing social shenanigans, you can find us on social media. Uh, we are on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And here we are in the month of June, kicking off summer. We're out of the wastelands. We Well, you know what? We had such a good time in the wastelands. Mm-hmm. I, I should say at least spending a month of, you know, focusing on specific films and themes. So much so that we decided, why not do it for another two months? Mm-hmm. Kind of like what we do on our sister podcast, The Nerds and Nostalgia. We have a Summer of series. And we said, well, let's do that for Junkhead. Let's do Summer of Slashers. And we do appreciate the alliteration. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, indeed, we are going to be spending two months talking all of, uh, well, and I shouldn't even say some of our favorites. We're definitely going to explore. Yeah quite a few things not just the big ones but the 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 ones that deserve a little bit more attention and we realized if we were going to be kicking things off with just such a grand spectacle that there was no way we could do it by ourselves right we realized that we need to bring in a heavy hitter and i can't think of a better guest to initially start off something like this give something the royal touch the, the royal treatment indeed you do indeed know our next guest she is the director of the call girl she is director of the stylist uh she is also the director of the upcoming short one last meal that is making its premiere world premiere at the cinepocalypse film festival please welcome back to nightmare junkhead everyone's favorite goth gangster princess jill gavargazion the ggp no um hello i'm glad to be here <laughs> i thought you were gonna go for the whole five minutes that was written for you to freestyle props to uh pure water by migos and mustard who the fuck's mustard i love you uh, you know and Maybe i he has to oh, catch wait. up he oh. made the beat he produced the song no that was bad bad, that was bad. i'm moving right past it denying its existence so before we get into the meat of the episode be it rap snacks candy man or your short please tell our listeners where can they find you out on the social media please plug and promote away find me at jill six with two x's all over the place instagram twitter facebook and i also have a page for six tape my production company same spelling six tape.com to watch all my previous work so we have been the last since the last time you came on. You were in the process, I think, of kind of doing post production on One Last Meal, and now here we are, a week away from its world premiere. Let's so. be real. 
We just put the final version together <laughs> two days ago. <laughs> and we're making our world premiere in two and a half weeks. That's right. Yeah. On June 15th at the Cinepocalypse. Cinepocalypse. I'm thinking of like a cinnamon, cinnamon kind of thing going on cinnamon, there. A Cinebite-pocalypse? That would, <laughs> I'd, I'd go check it out. Yeah. I'd go check it out. Cinepocalypse. It is not a Cinebite-pocalypse. <laughs> a Cinebite-apocalypse? It's a delicious Cinebite. I am so Cinebite. excited. So... Well, from the start, this was our hope, like our hopeful world premiere, mm-hmm. and life got in the way as it normally does, and we didn't finish in t- in time or like when I hoped we would, and so I really didn't think we had much of a shot, but so we tried anyway, even though it was unfinished, and they want to show the movie, so we're so excited, nice. and we just sent off to get like a badass version of it made, like a 4K DCP with surround sound, because this theater is going to be like might be the biggest theater I think anything I've ever had play at um it's like a 750 person that's rad like it's like the Midland Theater in Kansas City type Mm -hmm. thing like one of those old movie houses that's like they would transfer into like a concert venue now it's so big um I'm so freaking excited like built in 1920 something yeah it's got that ambiance beautiful the music box theater um I've never been to Cinepocalypse or to that theater so I'm super fucking excited. So ultimately, if you're in the Chicago area, the Midwest area, mm-hmm. if we, you see Jill, I'm just saying, you know, you can win a spot in her heart if you come up to her with some wrap <laughs> snacks. Exactly. I'm just saying, I don't know if you can get that in the Chicago area. Well, libations for yes. the, for the. I wonder if they are. I'm going to bring some just in case. <laughs> there you go. You're we pollinating put, the Midwest with wrap snacks. Yes. Queen B. We play Saturday, uh, June 15th. At noon, so we start the festival, and we play with a feature film called Dead Con. I don't know a lot about it. It's the world premiere of that as well. And it's female-directed, so that's exciting. That's nice. It's, um, it's a, I know it's a horror film that involves social media in being part of the horror. So, I don't know. I'm going to find out. I, I, I'm There's looking, tons of movies I'm excited to see there. I, there is so many. And they have they do a lot of 35 millimeter screenings as well. But then they've got a lot of the Q&As that are going on there. Mm-hmm. They just announced. It's actually a, it's an Airheads 35 yeah. millimeter screening. It's ridiculous. Some of the That's, stuff they're doing. They're doing the, the, I guess it's an unrated cut of Tammy and the T-Rex. Oh, no. <laughs> I think they might also be doing a 70 millimeter screening of Total Recall. Oh, oh, die. the die. same day that my movie's showing. So come see both of them, everybody. Um, I, if you if you can't get enough, well, give our give our listeners a little kind of taste, if you will, of uh, one last meal. It's not a fucking snack; it's a meal. It's um, <laughs> that's totally got to be our tagline. Now that I got it, that uh, really does need to be. <laughs> so, it's awesome. It was written by my friend Eric Stoles, who wrote the movie Late Phases that you may have seen. And so it's about this, really it's about this captain returning back to work from leave because he's an asshole and beat up an inmate. And he's turning, he's returning on the day that that inmate happens to be being put to death. And so they ask for his, him and the warden go to ask him what he wants for his final meal. And it's a rather disturbing, extreme request. And, uh, but really, it's more so about how far the warden and captain are willing to go in the name of like tradition and kind of point out how crazy that side of it is while everyone really in the film is kind of a bad guy in, in a different way. Um, it was a lot of fun to make it not necessarily like straight horror. We were 
kind of joking about not knowing what the hell to call it, but <laughs> it has a little bit of all the like crime, horror, really dark comedy, not like laugh out loud comedy, but it's just absurd. Um, I'm really excited about it. It turned out like I couldn't be happier with how it turned out. How was shooting on location the way you did? Oh, we got to shoot at the Missouri State Penitentiary in Jefferson City. And this place is a freaking dream come true to shoot in. It's so beautiful, but also terrifying. Um, <laughs> I feel like you you would obviously make some sort of ghost thing there. They do ghost tours, but it's just such a beautiful place. And it did just get affected by the tornado last week. I know that the, some of the surrounding like walls got... So this place is so big, it's like a compound of multiple buildings. And there's stone walls surrounding it and a whole section of that was crumbled mm -hmm. um, and that's right in the middle of the city so there was some pretty bad damage in Jefferson City um, but they we were about to go back down there and shoot them actually a promo video kind of we worked out a deal with them with shooting the film there and I was so excited to go back and then this happened ah. um, I just hope I don't know how much damage there was to the actual buildings where mm -hmm. all the cells are and stuff um, there could be a lot of flooding inside this I mean, place is beautiful. It was built in 1836. So it looks more like a castle than anything. They don't make prisons like this anymore. They're just right. like box buildings sure. that look like nothing. Not that you would want to say they're devoid of personality per se, because yeah. you know it's it is a prison for the most mm -hmm. part. But there was I These guess more care. These things are freaking beautiful. Like each building looks totally different, and they're so and so like disrepair. All the paint has chipped off the walls. It just looks beautiful on camera. And then our uh, color colorist, he uh, Corey Vetter. It's the first time I've worked with him as a colorist. Um, and he freaking, I can't even believe what he did to the movie. There were see scenes that he changed so much. I'm just in love with how he made it look. It's funny. I didn't, I set out to make, have it actually make it look a little more different than I normally do. As far as we didn't use like bright colored lighting, sure. stuff like that. But, um. It's still like as much as I was trying to make something that looked more like a Coen Brothers movie, mm -hmm. it looks like a freaking David Fincher movie, and I freaking love it. But it, this place is just so beautiful, and they just did such a good job. Also, our I should shout out our gaffer, our main lighting guy Sean East, and then Jordan, our cinematographer. They just made it look freaking beautiful. Like exactly what I hoped it would look like. I was gonna say, how it's much? Awesome. How much did you have in your mind when you played out? Especially when you talk about the color correction. Yeah. You know, how much do do they introduce ideas to you? Like, I know this is maybe what you were looking at, but here's something else that we could look into. Does, yeah. Is that... Yeah, that's how it is. I know, like, that's exactly like I come with an, my plan. Mm -hmm. I think first, that's what I kind of advise people when they're first starting to direct. I'm like, first, you need to have a clear idea. If you don't come with a clear idea, it'll totally get taken over. I mean, if you don't know at all, then you're not really directing it. Oh, yeah. I'm hit the alien head. Um, but you want to come with that plan. But then obviously the whole part of making a film is to like collaborate. And then so you come with this and they're like, that's cool. But what if we try this? And you do. And you've like, especially when it comes to editing, if you let your editor really try stuff that you would, you would never try on your own. It's like a opens up your like your eyes to things you would never do and it makes it so much better so i've learned that over time also i think everyone's a control freak that's a director and you have to learn to <laughs> let go of that sure as much as you can 
because it's just going to make the you have to remember that everyone's trying to make the film good like mm -hmm. no one's there to do has like malicious intentions i think that's what we have to like really like it's silly to be that worried about trying stuff or whatever um well, it's like but no yeah. one ever goes out to make a bad movie. Right. But you it's know? like, this place is so cool that all those, everyone wanted to work on it because it's like, I got the chance to like light this creepy ass. Yes. Right. Like prison cell. We shot in like the actual death row. And then we shot this like awesome, the scene like where he has his last meal. They lit like so fucking cool. Like the inspiration was this like interrogation scene in the dark night where it's just like, so dark in the corners of the room it almost looks like it goes into like an abyss like it's not even like an end to the room right mm -hmm. it looks freaking awesome i'm excited about it see now that sounds cool <laughs> well it's funny we were talking off mic but i was i was just kind of even throwing the thought out there i was like man with all that cool stuff going on i i almost want a road trip up there even for like a day no i will go back anytime you've got to see this place right it sucks right now they still have to keep it closed until all the they yeah, get it cleaned up or who I don't have no idea how bad it is. Um, I should shout out more people like our star actor, Matt Mercer was my first time I got to work with him. I knew him through Contracted, through Najara, but Matt's been in like a gazillion independent horror films. Like you've seen him in, in shorts, features, everything, and he produces. He's, I think he helped produce Bliss that's also playing at Cinepocalypse, directed by Joe Bagos. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, um, yeah. He's, they always all work together. And then I worked with Tim Marks. He played the warden. First time I worked with him, he does a lot of stand-up uh, sketch comedy in Kansas City. Um, and then Jake Martin, who was in Pity, John Pattis short I helped on years ago. It's my first time working with him as a director. And he plays our psycho killer that we're executing. <laughs> and he's fucking awesome. He really sat in a gas chamber chair oh, where people were killed, and we like closed the door of the gas chamber on him. Some, there's method acting, and then there's, there's that. So, yeah, that's. I I talked to him about it months ahead of time, so Prep. I was like, "You don't have to do this. I want you to know like what I want to happen." Yeah. If you're not comfortable with it, I'm not making all this noise. You're, paper. You're, so when you're out in the prison, did any like you know since they do haunted tours and shit, did any creepy shit happen? Well, and I needed. Go back to the footage with the guys with this. Um, nothing happened while we were there that I noticed, but so we shot in the gas chamber last, the first day. Yes. And it was a long fucking day. We should have shot for three days. I'm so sorry to my cast and crew for so, what I put you through. Um, no, I was the not doing that. fealty. I was not like that. I did wish we were faster. We planned way too much. <coughs> in two days but we were in the gas chamber last and there wasn't a lot of dialogue but we we're still recording sound and so the camera picks up sound but we're recording real sound you know blah 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 the camera sound we that's how we sync it like easily to the good sound and the camera in though all the takes in the fucking gas chamber the sound was just like this like white noise that was like like loud as fuck like and a couple of the takes started with a little bit of real sound and then just cut out and then the rest of them had none and i'm just like what the fuck that's some ghost shit i think because we got the sound on the other thing thank mm -hmm. god or we would have to 
fucking like record it afterwards and, and make it match. And... No, we'd have to like do. I've never done via like oh, had to like... match it ADR. Um, but Jesus Christ! So <laughs> I don't know what happened, and I have realized I didn't even tell anyone that that's what the footage looked like. They're like, "What? The sound's gone in those?" I'm like, "Yeah, some." Something happened in that room, just, just don't play the sound backwards, and you'll be okay. You don't want to summon, like, you know, like in Ghostbusters 2, when the two executed ghosts come out. Yeah, you don't want that. The Scalari brothers. Right, that's right. Oh. Wait, back to the screening. There's going to be a lot of us there, so it's going to be awesome. Like, an obscene amount for a short film. Eric's coming, the writer, all the way from L.A. Nice. He's, he went to college in Chicago, he like was it was his idea to try to get this screening. He loves the music box. Um, Kyle, our executive producer, will be there. Chris, our other producer, Jordan, our cinematographer slash producer. I, I think Matt Mercer is going to really try to go since he's got multiple projects. I don't know if John Pat is going to try to come. He, I think he's going to come. At, he lives close, so he's going to try. He Yeah, he's a cheesehead, he, right? And I say that because he he's yeah. from Wisconsin. He edited the stylus of this. He uh, designed our credits and did our poster design. Ah, which um, you really you you which I just released. Yep, yep. Well, looks good. Jake looking like a psycho in the prison. Oh, and Hannah will be coming. Our production designer. Yes. She fucking ruled this film. Like she had to build a scene. At, I mean, we were just we found like an office that's just an empty room and had to make it look like this warden's been living there. And we had to f- f- bring shit all the way from Kansas City. And now, is this Hannah that you worked with before? Yeah. Okay, I think I've met her. And, well, yeah, I've been she's... working with her since she's been in high school. She's much, like, really way younger than me. And, like, she freaking nailed this. I don't know if she's ever, like, built a scene like that from, like, an empty room. That's it right. looked amazing. That's super cool. Like you said, that that you if you don't have that, if that doesn't work, then there's a difference between. I'm Being not going to say, home, a, yeah, where you can mm-hmm. like I can run home and grab and another jo- piece of furniture or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. No, it was really scary planning something where we wouldn't be at home. Like that was a totally different thing. Even though it was, we could go home like worst case scenario for <laughs> right. something, but. but not really to like shoot. Bah. So how much in, how much do you think in terms of as a filmmaker that you have to do yeah just all the the preparation just making sure because you you had you don't, there's nothing to fall back on I don't know man it was a stressful shoot it was it got stressful because we got Is behind it? I mean I cut some stuff out like on I was like we're just not going to shoot that we don't need it it's fine like I just had to go through and cut it out like and you have to learn like when you're there you're there like just make the decision and move on like you can't like sit there and cry about it for 20 right. minutes mm-hmm. and there's 20 minutes you wasted <sighs> like you have to like go into like that day like ready to just like get rid of stuff you're making it sound like filmmaking isn't the you know the lovely imagery i have in my head of everyone just having a good time and shenanigans right no it is a lot of fun but it's a lot of fucking work <laughs> and we were like That's... shooting on three different levels of this prison and so I'm like, okay, guys, we're done down here. Let's Carry up all the gear up these stairs because huh. there's not like nice elevators in this mm-hmm. prison from 200 years ago. <laughs> like, we're walking up these terrifying narrow <laughs> stairs with like shitloads of gear. Oh, that like carrying the, the big dolly up and down. Because I'm not going to shoot handheld. I'm like, no, make it as hard as possible. We need to bring the dolly down so three flights of stairs oh. to death row. I'm not asking for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the prison's to Matt's fealty. <laughs> well, I'm anxious. We got these three shots of the guys just walking down these badass hallways because we have this huge prison. Have to show it off. Yeah. Totally unnecessary. 
totally necessary though. <laughs> Shoot and with we what did you each have. level literally, so it's like it's real. It's like this is the actual prison. We're not making up these levels. Like down three of them to the death row. Love it. That's but that was, <laughs> and before we did it, I even was willing to cut that. Okay, before we shot the movie, I'm like, this is totally not part of the story. We do not need this walk. Like, and this is like hours of work moving the gear to just do this shot walking down. And Jordan, the cinematographer's like, no, we got to do it. And I'm like, nice. I know you're right. We do have to do it. Good. Mm-hmm. Back in your. That up. was us trying to do like a um, Stanley Kubrick thing where the each shots. Like we're following the the warden and captain from behind three different hallways, like trying to make them look like the same shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they just like fade into the next one. Damn. That's see, what we try to do. So you're, you're selling this like a mamma jamma because I'm going to have to drive out there and see it at this point. I should probably stop saying all of this now that you said that. It's okay. It's wetting it's the appetite. Horrible, it sounds dope. It's going to be horrible. It's going to horribly. Don't want to hype anybody up too too far. You're going to be let down. No, please, please. <laughs> you can't uh, get the hereditary hype like that going on. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. I mean, no. You know, every movie that they're like, it's, it's the scariest name. movie of the year. Thank you. Every Everyone single hates fucking them. movie. Oh. They just need to stop saying that about any yep. movie. Yep. Yep. Let's not get into that. Right. Genius. <laughs> my, my anger towards that movie precedes me. No, but either way, like I said before, I like your stuff. I'm a fan of your film. So like hashtag the, one last meal. Yep, definitely. I'm definitely wanting wanting to check it out. And everybody out there should too. Yep. So if you are in the Midwest area, Chicago, make sure you're checking out the Cinepocalypse Film Festival. And man, there's just so many and good things going follow on. Follow us on Facebook because we'll have more screenings. We since we just finished it, we're just starting to submit it, and hopefully putting, there'll be a lot like in the fall and stuff. Excellent. Are you thinking maybe even depending maybe Panic Fest if you're you know you're still. Yeah, but maybe, I would, wish I could show it sooner than that here. That would be nice. That would be nice. We'll, we'll work on it. We're figure something out. Mm-hmm. You know what? We all happen to know people, so yeah. I think we can make it happen. Yeah. I'm thinking we're going to make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know how I want to make it happen. I mean. If you see it, you can be it. You can will it. There is some sort of like don't mantra. Don't dream no, no. it, be it. Just channel it as a mantra. Uh, Obviously, you know, we're looking forward to that. But when we threw out this whole idea of the Summer of Slasher series uh, and we put out to you, we were like, okay, we would like you to come on for an episode. We want to talk about the short. about the real conversation we had? Oh, we totally can. We totally can because. (laughs) Oh, we do. Yeah. Because you threw it out initially and you're like, oh, you know, Scream and Candyman are two of my favorites. And, you know, obviously... I also brought up Maniac. And Man- oh, Maniac is good, too. But for me, Candyman kind of stood out. But ultimately, you're wanting to talk... At first, I was like, Scream... I kept going back and forth in my head. I'm like, Scream, because that had such a big impact on my, like, just being coming a crazy horror fan. But saw Candyman first. And if anyone asks, like, what's your favorite horror movie? I hate asking... I hate, like, picking favorite anything, because mm-hmm. it's like, can I put, like, 30 yeah. into one or something? But the first couple that come to mind are always Texas Chainsaw and Candyman. Yeah. And we were lucky enough to do a nice commentary track of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre I with also, you. I also, of course, brought up Texas Chainsaw. I'm like, we can't talk about Texas Chainsaw again probably <laughs> yet. Maybe in a year we can Potentially. again. <laughs> we'll give it a little room to breathe there. <laughs> the Sauce family. So this is one of your all-time favorites, then. Candyman, yep. And so, you guys would not go in the bathroom and do Candyman with me fuck no. before this Hell episode. No. Hell no. Mm-hmm. I thought Genius would be on my side when Greg was like, nope, not going to do it. I'm like, 
Come on. Well, I immediately started laughing because I'm like, no, it's like literally in my intro for the show about saying phrases into a mirror. And I was like, genius might do that. Mm-mm. But we got to do it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That's like going to the whole Bloody Mary thing. Why would I invite that shit to come and get me? You know what I'm saying? Even, oh my God. even if there's a remote chance of shit happening. Like I've seen enough movies. Wait. I don't even want to say my own name in the mirror a few times. I got the best dream picture fan picture ever. I was at, I think it was probably the Days of the Dead Chicago, one of the million times I've been there. I was at someone's after party in a hotel room, like 15, 10, 15 of us in there. God knows what's happening. Okay, not like that. But anyway, Candyman walks in with who knows who. And to me, he is always, Tony Todd is Candyman. Candy, like yeah, I see Candyman. him, I've seen him in a million conventions now, and I still am like, Oh my God, it's Candyman. He's so awesome, <laughs> like and scary. I'll never get over seeing Can- like Tony Todd places. But Candyman walks in the party, and I'm like, probably even whoever's standing by me, I'm like, Candyman's here. Oh my God, that's how I react still if he came in here. Um, I end up like there's like you know like most hotel rooms they have that big mirror in the main room, so I like go stand by him, and I'm like, can we take a picture into the mirror? I got this also I'm like him standing behind me and I'm taking a picture like into the mirror with my phone. Best picture of my life. Scariest picture ever. That's rad. So he's just standing like behind me. And, I, and then I joked afterwards that I should have asked him to take the picture in the bathroom with me and, at, and you know, try to make out with him at the same time. <laughs> Get a little candy I'm from Candyman. A little sugar from Candyman. I'm pretty, pretty sure Candyman yes. is into that situation. <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's partying. No offense, Tony Todd. I'm saying it's awesome. Um, we should all be so lucky <laughs> to do what he does. Should have invited him to the bathroom. <laughs> oh my God, why am I saying this? No, I just wanted the picture to be scarier in there. Yeah. Come on to the bathroom. I got something I want to show you. <laughs> sweet to the sweet. And I, oh you, my god. Yeah. Well, we were. <laughs> but wait, the first time I saw Candyman was at Texas Frightmare 2012. Candyman nice. the movie or, or can- <laughs> no? In Candyman in real okay. life. Okay. In the, in the and flesh. I like walked yeah. by him ah. and I was like, I was totally starstruck. So excited to meet him. But um. No, first time I watched Candyman was like, that was one of the first ones I remember watching, like 10 years old. Fucking love now it. Go, it's still so scary. Do you ever go back to that 10-year-old psyche and just go, holy shit, you know, you were first introduced to Candyman and then you literally, you're taking this photo with him trying to get him into a bathroom. You know, it's like, <laughs> how does Wait, this happen? Me back then could never, not even the first time because I was just seeing it scared. More like than when I was like 12, 13, super fan status of Candyman and all that stuff. I could never have imagined. I don't even know if those existed then, like that you could meet these right. people. Mm-hmm. I would have like died to know that, like that, that was a thing. Um, no, I could never imagine I would meet Candyman, take a picture in the bathroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, well, one of the things that we're doing with this whole summer of uh, slasher series is we've got connective tissue. Um, we're going to look at three things, of course, talking about the films, but three things that kind of unify all these slasher movies, and we're calling them the three Gs. Mm-hmm. The GGG, unlike the GGP. Right. Goth but we're going to be. Princess. we got the GGPs, GGG. Well, we'll break it down. We've got the first G is a gimmick. So was what is the gimmick of the film? Is it a weird weapon? Is it the mask that the thing? Um, is it a meta movie? But what is the gimmick of the movie? The second G is the gore. 
because a lot of these slasher films are known for the gore they put out. See, see, the GGP approves. Slashers were my favorite growing up, and I loved gore. Still do. And then we got to look at the third G, and that's the gratuity. How much violence is there? How much gore is there? Is there nudity? How much of it? But there's always some gratuitous element to a slasher film. Yep. I have things to say. We, we will get into that. We will get into that. And then some. I'm excited. So I want to make sure that we cover all of those in the slasher films. GGG. So, so, I, so we've gotten your initial origin, Jill. Uh, genius. What was your initial run in with the Candyman? Indian Springs Movie Theater. It scared the shit out of me. And I loved it. Ever since that Hel- first. Helen. <laughs> it's like the best moment. It's so fucking scary. It's like daylight. It's. It's in the parking lot, like you, you ever go into parking lots and sometimes just go. I would seriously start crying if I heard that in a parking lot. <laughs> so would I actually. And be and like, no, I wouldn't do. Go that. come to the bathroom. Where's come to the bathroom. Come to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> the, the parking lot bathroom. Terrible. Now all I'm imagining is Jill just run wondering like parking lots and everything, and just like you. I, fall- I don't know why I just see like Candyman running, and then Jill's like, "Come here, Candyman! Come here, Candyman! Come here, come here, come here!" You, you no, can't back have, to your Indian Springs. Yeah, experience. you can't have Candyman do your beckoning genius. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, uh, no, I saw it in the theater, and like ever since the opening song, I was like, "This movie is scary." And that's where do we want to start score. with this film? Yeah, the Philip Glass score, first and foremost, just makes it. We always talk about like it. It's so fucking be- like it, that opening is so like gothic in the shot. Ethereal. Over the city. Yes. <laughs> I only watched the commentary for the first time a few days ago. Don't know what I'm doing with my life. But they said that Philip. Wait. Philip Glass. Glass. I'm like, am I going to be wrong about the composer's name? You're good. That he. You know, he doesn't do a lot of horror, and he was very, like, worried about his reputation with the screen. Like, I, maybe he'd only seen it once, and he's like, it's so grotesque. Like, but this, like, score is fucking incredible in mm-hmm. here. Like, no, nah, he should be proud. This movie's amazing. It's not such as some silly slasher movie, speaking right. of which. Oh, it's-, it's a fucking smart amazing movie for me like Candyman deserves to be on like the Mount Rushmore of horror icons even though this film came out in the 90s to me it's not only one of the best horror films of the 90s I think it's one of the best horror films period yeah I agree with that Uh, going back to the score I love the way like you said how gothic and ethereal it is it it sets up the tone for being a very dark fairy tale right yes. off the get i mean it, 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 that and and for real that's a it's haunts me to this day that the candy bo- yeah. yeah the toy box it thing. just sends shivers up my spine because i know even without the even without the movie for reference if i hear that i know ill shit is about to go down somewhere so it sets up the mood perfectly for this very very dark dark fairy tale well i learned that uh and i've never done this before but he wrote the music before the editor did his work which like we normally will use like temp music and then the mm-hmm. sco- you'll write the score afterwards so it's written to exactly what's happening but they just did it twice like he wrote all these little little pieces for the editor to work with and then 
once the like picture was done, he went in and rewrote, reorchestrated it to be smooth, like with the whole film. That's and I'm like, holy crap, that's awesome that's to be able to like work with that ahead of time. I can't even imagine. Well, you talk about collaboration and just that willingness yeah. to adapt to that because you know a lot of people when they're that creative and that good, sometimes they won't bend. It's like, no, here's what it is, mm-hmm. make it work. So, but I think that's to the to the, the you know the benefit of the film because like you said, it makes it classy. In a way, you know, it's not a synth heavy yeah. score, and that's what you get a well, lot in these slasher films coming up is very synth heavy. It's so perfect for the story. Like, the sound is just like, because it's like somewhat of a romantic and tragic, mm-hmm. like Shakespearean almost it's, type of story. It's elegant yeah. in many ways. It's one of those that you can throw on around your normies. It's classy. It is. It, it is. is. You could throw that around non horror <laughs> fans, and they're going to go, that's a very, that's a legitimately haunting, beautiful theme. Yeah. It's like, what is this? And then you go, oh, well, come on, come a little closer, you know, come into the bathroom. Come into the bathroom. And we'll show come you Come into the here. bathroom. So, let's say Candyman. So here. let's get into the first G here, the gimmick of Candyman. And I, technically... It's definitely saying Candyman in the mirror. That's yes, the gimmick. Yes. Well, it, that's a cool thing. It's we a, all grew up with that Bloody Mary thing. Mm-hmm. It's an urban legend. And one thing I like about it that it separates the uh, in the slasher types, I don't have to go to Crystal Lake. You know what I'm saying? Candyman, I don't have to live on Elm Street. Candyman can get me anywhere. But I bet he ain't because I ain't going to call his name five times in the... (laughs) But it sets up the mythology nice with that, just the urban legend and just showing the urban legend with Ted Raimi, of all people. And it's even like, in its own way, a movie that's aware of horror movies without it being like a scream, like that aware, Mm -hmm. but it is like they're talking about urban legends and living one like at the same time. Also another thing. Like her studying that and. Well, the the fact that all of your characters are adults for the most part. That's the other thing with a lot of slashers. You usually have the the teenage view. This is the weird world of academia. And there's, and this is, I think it's a heady film as well. Because it is a straight-up scary movie. I will say that. There are still bits in this movie imagery that is haunting. Yeah. yeah Every- you don't have to pick up any of like the what they're trying to say, and it's just a scary, great movie. Yeah. That's, well, it works <laughs> on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like First and foremost, it is a scary movie. It's a gory movie. There are some kills in here that are still like are shocking to this day. The whole thing of the the folklore and the urban legend, um, shit, we talked about the film Urban Legend. You know, it's not an uncommon thing, but the way they interwove this, because it came from a Clive Barker short story. There's a line in here. I've never read the original one. I have not either. No, 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 I. I've read the, the Hellbound Heart, but there's a line in here. It's like, you know, your pain will be exquisite. And it was that's that, total Clive Barker. That is a total Clive that's Barker. A line. Yeah. That's, like, that's a Cenobite thing. Well, and that's the other thing too is this: the story of Candyman himself. It it lays in tragedy. You talked about kind of the the, the Shakespearean tragedy element that's that goes a on. Clearly, Clive Barker thing. At least Hellraisers mm-hmm. like that. Absolutely, and I think that adds that <clears> much needed pathos to the villain because you you do feel bad for him ultimately when you get his man when they shoot his origin story and that's the other thing that i really dug about this film too is not only do they deal with race in there but there's also a lot of sexism that goes on in there as well especially when you have virginia madsen and her and her friend that are doing the research and their whole idea is to one up these the guys that are yeah. in the academics and there's that whole scene at the dinner table when that one guy just ugh, oh yeah just, he's awful he's just so so just smarmy but he's you know relaying the Candyman tale but there's that wonderful shot when it's just like focusing in on and mm-hmm. just the real it's just so much of that it's like I said it's it's beautiful but it also focuses on that just that horrible rat race up there you know in the world of academics and that's another element of I'm like I, that 
that's just a nice added bonus that on top of everything else, they're including thing, elements like that. Because he's talking shit the whole time. Like, well, you ain't going to do shit. How are you going to bury me? You don't even know the story of Candyman. And like, that's one thing. I like the way how it kept adding more layers of his mythos as it went along. First, he started out with an I was a urban legend. Then he becomes this kind of tragic figure. And then it even adds up. You can tell like his whole thing is like, I'm losing power. I need more victims to keep my yeah. congregation people yep. believing in me so I can keep doing what I'm doing. And he just doesn't go around going and scaring people. He has a method to his madness yeah. and it's tragic to his man. Plus, he wants what he lost, kind of like a Dracula figure. And it, that's at, what I was going to say. He's like an he's like all the old monsters or like Frankenstein's monster. Like he was made like it's our responsibility you know like he was made by humans mm -hmm. like, um the whispers in the versus some, just some malicious which i guess is a lot of monsters backstory mm -hmm. honestly we just don't learn them all the time um or you know present them in a way that we make them sympathetic like jason's not really some you know barely his story is but we don't try to make it sympathetic in those movies they're nope. fun and mm -hmm. silly you don't care about the characters. It's a totally different type of thing. Um, no, yeah, I, obviously that's a big thing that I love about it. I love tragic, uh, conflicting characters that you're conflicted about. You you feel for them and they're terrifying. Um, and yeah, I le learned a crazy like aspect of it when I watched that uh, commentary. They were talking about kind of bringing their race stuff into it and talking about kind of um, the Candyman urban legend and like urban legends being ir irrational fears and how irrational fear is the is the root of racism really. And it just like was this crazy when they talked about all of it like this. But, um, and then even things like Candyman's backstory, they didn't make him just a slave. He was like an artist. Mm -hmm. They cut his hand off because he was an artist mm -hmm. to even, you know, make it even worse for him. Um, it's just a crazy, like you're saying, crazy layered story. And in is if you have walked by that movie as a kid or even adult and you didn't know what it was, you see the word Candyman and all these bees or whatever the fuck the cover was, the eye, which was yeah. a great yep. one. Yeah, it was. You would just think it was a silly slasher movie about a guy that has candy maybe or who know you know, like you would who never guess that it has this like really smart, crazy story behind it. Mm -hmm. um, it's freaking beautiful. Virginia Madison was talking about how like how at first they really weren't didn't totally buy that she could be her that she was they thought she was too glamorous maybe couldn't like play this really like regular looking girl and I like growing up I was introduced to her like to her through Candyman Same. so I thought she looked totally regular in that movie mm -hmm. and and then you really notice when you watch it back like she does she's not made up to be glamorous mm. except for when she's in the Candyman trance yeah yeah um, yeah and yeah a lot of weird things like that that they wanted her to gain weight they're just like giving her pizza every night it's just like be trying to be sly about it like eat whatever you want <laughs> that's hilarious well she's got a couple of moments in the film because she's actually another actor that i really enjoy but after the first kill and she's at the police and they're having her they're having her stripped down and she's just so we vulnerable gotta wait, we gotta wait to talk about that there oh okay but okay well, we got a big thing to talk about there. okay that when you're talking about how she was, they were stripped down, but they only made her glamorous when they focused on her eyes. 
she was hauntingly beautiful when they focused on her eyes with just the lighting that yeah. was just masking her eyes, just illuminating it. And it was a very good play because you noticed that. And it wasn't until later, spoilers, of course, for Candyman, when you see the actual drawing, it's, it's her eyes. That's when yeah. she sees the mural. She's like, oh, wow. And even they showed the Candyman's eyes when he, when, again, another dope mural. That mural was rad when he mm-hmm. walked into the Candyman's mouth. But that's how like he hypnotized her. I thought that was the eye motif was very, very sly and very cool. And I'll even say you talk you talk about how Virginia Madsen is very beautiful. Well, even Tony Todd and the whole idea of the our villain, the Candyman. He's dapper. He's very dapper, and there's there's not a lot of menace to him beyond the voice. He comes across. Well, they do talk a lot about how much like sexuality there is in him, and like there's this rom- somewhat of a romance in a way between him and Helen. Um, in this weird way. Oh, there yeah. was apparently a scene where they danced together that was cut out of the movie. So I watched the unrated version. I picked up I the... I thought that um, was too much. Like, you gave Candyman too... Like, they went actually, too far. Too much pathos? To make or no, they gave him... Yeah, they just made, gave him... Gave you too much sympathy for him. You still need point. to realize he's technically the bad guy of the mm-hmm. piece. And we're technically supposed to be rooting against him. He's trying to kill babies. <laughs> yes. You know? And he kills a dog. Oh, that that entirety of that scene. Well, so he's not all that romantic. <laughs> he's not all he that good. He kills the dog. Always, always, um, you know, trying to pin it, make Helen look crazy. Which he's smart. I plan. learned in uh, that book, um, House of Psychotic Women. She talks about a lot of supernatural films and films about women being possessed or like made to look crazy and how that's a big metaphor for how women that like claim any sort of abuse or rape or whatever everyone says like that didn't happen to you you're crazy like the idea of it's when you really think about it from that simple of a metaphor that is like what something like that does with Candyman, where no one else can see him everyone thinks she's crazy mm-hmm. everyone thinks she's doing all of these things um i never thought about that till i read that book and that's the well and you talk about that's the whole thing that women are hysteric and you know yeah. that's of course they're prone to that kind of thing and it does play into that and that's something we were talking about initially the way i kind of i'm not i don't read this as the 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 how it is but subjectively you know you can view a lot of things but ultimately it was helen was she the manifestation of candy man yeah. did she get far into researching the myth going yeah. head first and everything because even like when she's doing the tour of cabrini green which mm-hmm. ended up that's a character in this movie yeah you know it's it's got it's got a presence it's got a history the you know just even the the projects and like you, i would never have thought going into this film that it would you know i'd be looking at like socio-political you know uh, allegories that are going over like stuff that literally happened like right. you know cabrini green was a real project in chicago where a lot of nasty stuff happened. A lot of nasty stuff. And that's another thing we were talking about, like uh, that goofy guy talking about, oh, you're not going to bury me, and talking about how it's made to make women look crazy, but also it talked a little about race, how, like, well, not a lot of white people come that aren't cops around here, and how, like, she was like, my apartment is the exact same apartment. It's just because I have better view. It's not a project. And there was a lot of it, but it was never, like, pandering. You no, know, it no, was that's... it was always done just, just very, very smart. It was interwoven into the story. Yeah naturally it was part of the story they're not hitting you over the head i remember them saying something about that that it was important to like what did i even fucking wrote like they were trying to they didn't want to exploit any like the people in this situation they were like more so like showing poverty Mm -hmm. in itself not exploiting those specific characters to make 
you know, mm-hmm. and they really did do a good job with that. You well, know, there's like the cycles of poverty that, you know, that per- keep persisting themselves, even like the, the cycle of the folklore, you know, Candyman, does he exist? There's, there's even the and guy that's portraying that, the Candyman. The whole idea that everyone, even they're all talking about on the commentary that does Candyman exist? Is it all in Helen's head? And all the, everyone there's saying something different, like Virginia Madison's like, Candyman does exist. <laughs> and that's Wait, the, yeah that's the beauty of it there's though, a lot because of things you can't explain if he doesn't exist in the movie if, um but and let's face it this is a horror a film movie. and we need a good you know big baddie like that and and tony todd like he because i remember him back in i think my first exposure to him was with like platoon back in the day because i just remember him as this great character actor and then seeing him portray this character and bringing such life to it that he is forever, like you said, Jill. You know him just as he's the Candyman. He's Candyman, candy and it's, I don't think I remember my first experience of Tony Todd except Candyman. He and like, well, it's Candyman. Well, I'm so ridiculous. I don't even. I don't care about the sequel really. I haven't. Wa- I've watched it a few times in my life. I don't remember it. But what is? It's something of the. What is it called? Farewell, Farewell to, to the, the flesh. flesh. Okay, so I, I, of course, right now can't remember it, but all the time when I'm saying goodbye to people, I will just say, like, farewell to the flesh. And they're like, what are you talking about? People sweet that w- have no the idea the reference. Um, You're throwing out... I like either the- say farewell to the flesh or farewell for God knows when we shall meet again, which is Romeo and Juliet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so as long as you're not, like, when you think goodbye, here, look, we're getting married, bitch. Or man. Like, <laughs> Well, that was one of your favorite little bits. I don't know is... why it just cracked me up. <laughs> Number one, step up. I hear you're looking for candy, man, bitch. Step back. Number two, I hear you're looking for candy. It was just, it's just, it like, it just kind of always just gave me a little bit of a chuckle. But it's kind of, it's from a scary scene, though, because that is a foul-ass bathroom. Oh, yeah, that whole scene. When, well, little Jake, played by Dewan Guy, bathroom. who is awesome in this movie. He is, like, one of my that favorite kids. That kid is so fucking cute. Mm-hmm. He's, oh, he's so good in and it. He's, he's so good. He's so good. But, yeah, that whole tour she gets when he takes her on, like, the Candyman tour, and they end up in that just foul, stench-ridden bathroom. And that's when she is accosted by the real-life Candyman? Fake Candyman. Fake Candyman? Is that the... Sugar-free. Wannabe Candyman. Sh- Sugar-free Sugar Candyman. Candyman. There it is. Sugar-free Candyman. Oh, my. But he even incorporates the hook. So, right. I mean, there is so much mythology built into that where, like I said, it almost physically manifests itself. And, and again, you ha- he has to have that fear to survive. And he almost mm-hmm. has, like, minions, if you will. Well, and they even said, like, nobody would want to step up. And we have a, a sheet on him a mile long, but nobody wants to say anything. Finally, somebody did. Yeah. And then, like... They're like, oh, it took a white woman to bring him down. And then they even said that in the movie. And they're like, well, yeah, okay. Well, back to Candyman, <laughs> you know? So it does tackle a lot more subjects than I think just your normal everyday horny teens in Cabin in the Woods, you know? Well, getting... and also uh, Cassie Lemons as her friend, who was actually Jodie Foster's friend in Silence of the Lambs, which always threw me for a loop because those two films came out. Wait, and... she was? Yes, yeah, she was connective tissue maybe she's it's, friends with her and it's hold and on, Clarice hold on. Cassie Lemons we're going to the uh, IMDb here I hear you like a the man. <laughs> 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 but also I, I <laughs> Wait, he's in the mirror he's in the mirror he's in the mirror Candyman Candyman I'd Candyman me so hard you know just <laughs> I would also be remiss if I didn't talk about Xander Berkeley as just the put upon professor husband that always gives professors a bad name 
because she was an asshole. all professors Such sleep with their asshole. students. She Such was not. She was not out of. <laughs> God damn. She was not in that in the, in like committed for like a day. You just went right past. That. Oh no, I heard it. I heard it. <laughs> but that's <laughs> why I'm crying. Foul, foul. No, no, he didn't believe her from at all. I can't believe they were already painting that apartment pink while she's in the hospital. That threw me for a loop. This I'm like, holy shit! Like like." that was a great moment though when she comes back. She's like, what, bitch? Right? She's like, broke out of the fucking place. You did. Mm -hmm. You all think I'm a psycho murderer? (laughs) And that's what's. And actually, then the girl, the the younger, you would be scared of her at that point. Based on the fact that, of course, they can't. They, of course, they're scared of her. You know, she's she's killed four people. You know, well, apparently. Yeah. Well, let's go into the first kill because okay. so much <laughs> of it happens off screen, and we only really get. And that's, I think, makes it more powerful. That first kill when she wakes up, and she's just covered. That in moment blood. is amazing. It's just like it, a cut, bam, like mm-hmm. fucking disaster. And then it's and the scene is chaotic because she's covered in blood. You hear someone losing their shit outside of like the frame. It's it, great. And she does that great thing when she actually checks She's to like, see if it's oh, her, her, her blood. blood. Yeah. It and, really is an amazing, like, decision to, like, I can't picture the moment right before, but I know it's, like, such a jarring, It was like, when she first was introduced to him. It's when she first saw him in the, the parking garage. Okay, then, okay. Yeah, because, the, and that's She's, what I love, because it, it sh- you get that really good close-up, and she's got the tear rolling down her eye. It's, like, this slow moment, and then, you like, blam into, like... Fucking oh. catastrophe. Chaos. Like, you didn't believe in me. Now you will. And this is like, woof. But the first kill was the babysitter. It well, in te- yeah, yeah. With the with Ted Ramier showing up, which is they weird. They do do the nice little slasher opening thing, and they give you the hint of, oh, here's a little brazier. Oh, in the fifty, uh. of course, it was in the fifties, so that's when it was a little bit more naughty. Brazier. Well, that's when it would have been a brazier. <laughs> But anything take, but a brazier. Anything right, but. Did they take off their petticoat as well and their their bustle and like, the, the, the bodice. Nope. If you're gonna sh- on. If you're gonna if you're gonna show off the gams, you got to do it right. <laughs> We're gonna go into all that terminology. Yeah, she candy man. But then the shot when she she goes out and then you oh, and I'm we just you know John Wick three is going around you know violence against dogs bad. But when you see then that severed dog's head. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Bam. I mean, it's necessary. Is it in the, where is it? In the in crib? The kidney, in the apartment. In the, no, it's in no. the kitchen area. Because, see, the crib it's is disturbing. bloody well. And that's, that's what I will bring up for anyone that wants to cry about a dog in a movie. I'm like, well, they do it in Candyman. It's yeah, the do. best movie ever. It's just... I know, like, everyone's upset, and they always keep tweeting, you know you can stop killing dogs in movies. How many times do I see this on Twitter, like, every week? Of course. But I'm like, yeah, like move out, whatever. We kill people in movies every day too. But then you get. I actually thought it's initially not that, that the much. baby was dead. Yeah, I did too. When I first saw it, I was like, "Oh my god, Candyman killed a baby!" But but then the way they transitioned though, Candyman just wanted to raise a baby with Helen, and they were gonna be in love forever. Wait, is that really what was his goal? Actually, I think that was. He wasn't gonna kill the baby. He, he was gonna. He, he took care of the baby for quite a while, actually. Yeah, which is weird enough. He's a very sweet, loving father. <laughs> Until he put the baby on a pyre. Well, that was the other people's fault, you, you know. The, when they placed the baby at the the big old bonfire at the I end. Don't know. Wait, did Candyman put the baby there? Yeah, because he Helen put there and crawled Helen. in and took the baby out. Right, right. Maybe, but maybe she. But who put, put the baby? There? Who put the baby in there if it wasn't Candyman? So Candyman put the baby in the pyre for Helen to go in so he could surprise, surprise. Candyman, why'd you do that to us? 
because they probably they had to make him a bad guy. So again, you make him almost too, um, you know, sympathetic. Then all of a sudden, we don't we. I think you guys could have not done that, and it'd be fine. <laughs> First of all, I'm now realizing Candyman doesn't make any sense just now. <laughs> Damn it! We've taken the I'm sheen gonna, off I'm of the. I'm going to die. I'm so worried. About no, Candyman. he wanted to kill the okay. baby and the dog. No, happy family. He stole the can the baby, right? Right. Him and Helen. It was well, actually. Oh, you I know what? The goal was for him and Helen to go. Because Helen didn't want to be with him. Exactly. Then he killed the baby. And he's like, everything if, if, makes sense if now. If you come to me, you I'll will get the baby. All the weed has done a lot to my brain <laughs> over the years. <laughs> Candyman would approve. Um, yes, he would. Okay, so the other <laughs> the other G that we need to talk about is gore. And we've already talked Love a little bit about gore. it. There is a lot of gore in this film. But but there could be more, but it's a lot for its time, probably. For being uh, such a mainstream for movie. A mainstream for a mainstream movie, for, definitely. For a mainstream, like, it, for a mainstream movie, it is, but a lot of it's off screen. It is, yeah. There's only, like, one on screen kill that you really, but really they, see. They work, like, even the ones you don't get to see are so, like. Graphic. First, give me a break. Even though we don't get to see that first one, oh, it's which is really just, just a dog kill, thank God we didn't see it. Yeah. We would have, like, she wakes up in a room, like, drenched, drenched in, in blood. blood. Like, no, there's it's honestly. There's not even that much blood in a dog. Where did <laughs> he get this blood? You know what? It's the same. They exist in the same universe as Revenge, because the human body can't hold that much blood, and neither can a dog. But in that universe, they can. Well, even the Revenge babysitter. Is beautiful. It is. Even the babysitter kill was sweet. You didn't see anything; just a good scare, and then just blood dripping from the, um, the ceiling. Yeah, and you just hear and you just heard, needed to hear that teenager said what he saw made her his hair turn white. And like, ooh, scary. That's all you needed because it, it was a good, scary shot. How well, the, many good kills do we get to see? So we get to see we the doctor. We only see one kill. The therapist is, I think, the only one that truly you see him. On screen. From, on from screen you know, gut to gullet. Because the friend. The friend we see after. The friend but she's after. But the math, aftermath is great. It's a great scene. She talked about shooting that. And she was like, no one would talk to me when I was this, laying there. Because she couldn't And move. it was really upsetting, actually. But I think Virginia Madsen came by and talked to her for a few times. I think we both own the same Blu-ray that a uh, Scream Factory Hell one that yeah. put out. Oh, it's so good. Wait, it's so no, good. I don't have that one. Ooh, I need the fancy that's one. It's a good one. Well, I watched the unrated old version. Ass D- DVD. The DVD. You got to update to the DVD. Blu-ray. Now, on the unrated <laughs> version, that therapist scene actually is even more gory, and that's the one. So, let me ask you this: the way he, because the sound design in this film also plays a huge part, because when he's Greg thinks the scene is homoerotic no just the way it's shot i i any because the way it is pretty like because he and, and again i'm not saying when it's you a, hook someone in the ass <laughs> yeah pretty it's, much i mean well you on my it's notes a phallic figure as i said the, on, the fucking hook that he puts in it so inside my, people and yes he, and, and he fucking like puts you in this like trance where you're all like turned on i'm pretty sure and then that's why you invited him. Who's for Jay? Come here, come here, come here, come here. Who's for Jay? I think. Holy shit! <laughs> and then you invite him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Candyman. No, give me a break. Candyman's pervy, and people are like entranced by him. Like Dracula. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, everyone all... thinks vamp. Exactly, vampires are sexy, just like Candyman. 
And all, all slashers, <laughs> by definition, are kind of pseudo-sexual in a way, just the penetration of it. Yes. But the fact that he has a hook, and he comes up from behind, <laughs> and the way... No, and the Literally way he's the way. like... I'm the, laughing at geniuses' oh, just the, the um, actions that you can't see people out there. What you gotta do. What you gotta do. So fisting the air. So... Yeah. No, but so when you're <laughs> when he comes up on for this. When he comes up and he's like ur, ur. I mean like he's thrusting his hook up this dude's gullet and coming from behind him, the guy's going eh, 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 and Candyman's going ur, ur, um, and one just, of my favorite moments though before that is when she gets it to she's like admitted to the mental institution. Oh, and, and he's she's, high- He's hovering over and she's mm-hmm. tied down. Mm-hmm. That's, That's like one of the scariest scary. moments ever to me. That and then when he folds his arms and then just shoots out from that window. <laughs> I, I still it looks a little shit. silly now. Oh, though, I that's think the only part but that might oh, be I still silly. think it. It's, I think it's cool. Plus it gives her a way it's to cool escape. And they had to do. They did that for real. Practical. Yes. Yeah. And the bees. He. Oh. The, again, he's covered in bees. Did he have bees. actual bees all no, over he his did. mouth? And he shit? had insurance. Yep. He had uh, he had insurance for the bee stings. He had like twelve different bee stings in his mouth. He got like a thousand dollars extra for every bee sting he got in his mouth. They had a bee wrangler they on had, set. Uh, yeah, no. yeah, they had a bee wrangler. Those are real bees yep. coming out of his mouth. That wasn't like a fake head that he had. That was a <laughs> mouthful of fucking well, bees. I can't have, you'd have to do it for real. Yeah. Well, they had the like the or trained have ones. CGI bees. And that's just it. That's we did not have the advent of cgi mm-hmm. back then this is when you had to go purely practical and i think the film is that much better for it mm-hmm. because these would be horrible oh, it'd be horrible yeah no and this one like you said do that in the remake, in the remake. Well, i was thinking the same thing how do you honestly i think this is a film that could be remade because this definitely they are oh yeah no but i think it's i don't want it to happen though but it doesn't erase the original that's the one thing i always say you still have the original <laughs> regardless but the guy that shot this because this You're is one right. of my favorite looking films of the 90s uh, Anthony Richmond was the DP on this and that's the other thing with this film I th- it's one of my favorite looking of the 90s and I don't know if it's just almost the softness of it but th- he also shot it's beautiful uh, it's a beautiful fucking movie from start to finish even the aerial shots the eye shots the everything even the 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 scenery with the like with the murals everything about like oh, yeah, what he the, shot was just beautiful yeah the uh, the set director and the person that designed all that i think they deserve you know in and of themselves because it, the the I want to say that the movie feels like it's a living, breathing thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a world that exists, that lived. That's something we could, you know, visit. We're not going to do that because we're not going to go to the ba- bathroom and say his name five times in the now mirror. I'm but... thinking about it. I'm like, I bet like his lair had influence on me, like with the stylist, because he has all those candles. It's real gothic in there. And like every killer yeah. has like their own, like their lair, lair with all their stuff, like their trophies from their kills or whatever they do. Mm-hmm. Um. So love it. last G here is the gratuity. And I I don't think this is a gratuitous film. There's definitely but. about about the nudity, about Virginia Madison's Madison's part. Um, she talked about that scene a lot. And she said that obviously they didn't want to like make that look like exploited. exploit her or, or make it seem sexual. Like some people would shoot stuff like that from that kind of perspective, which is what's fucked up to me. But they, he wanted her to be the director who, I don't know what else he's done. He's not Bernard like a Rose big isn't a big no, name he's not. or anything. Um, wanted her to be really comfortable in that scene. And she got to pick who played the officer. And it was one of her friends that's an actor. So they're like best friends. And they just shot it like twice, like real quick. And 
that one stuck with me this she last said they viewing. like left it all up to her like she talked about it like it was really like a pleasure because i think so often people are creepy it's unfortunate like she was in a movie some 80s boner jam i know that she had a bad experience like that so i know that's something that's always lingering in her mind so i'm it's good to know that they produ- provided an environment for that because me that is because that follows that initial um the dog siege scene you know she's just covered in blood mm-hmm. and they're like you know disrobe take yeah. your bra off lift it's your right breast your left. Scene. and it's so clinical the way it's you know mm-hmm. oh it's just it, it makes it, it's it makes her seem ex- it makes her extremely vulnerable but also puts her in this compromising position because she already nobody is telling her what the fuck is going on she has no clue what's going on and so everybody's like all right you're just taking pictures of her naked she's like okay can you somebody please tell me no turn your left okay Uh but please can i just wipe some of this blood no turn your right you know so it was just kind of like that like Mm -hmm. you felt so bad for her and you went on this journey with her genuine pathos and just the vulnerability i mean i was like oh i was like this is horrible so no, it, it did the job well, and mm-hmm. but I, again, it, she's a great actor. She's you know I'm glad when she got that resurgence with Sideways, I mean that was a long time ago as well. Technically, damn. Uh, talking about Bernard Rose, he directed Immortal Beloved, the Beethoven movie. Okay, and he also directed a movie called <laughs> called SX Tape. So I like it. Yeah, and I I think he was also working on a uh, Frankenstein. He had a project. Frankenstein yeah. one, and the Hurdy Gurdy Man Ooh. was his last shirt short. Hurdy Gurdy, Hurdy Gurdy, the Hurdy Gurdy. Do 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 do. So what are we missing here on Candyman? I feel like we've tried to cover it because there's so much to look into on this one. I know there's immense amount that we're probably missing out so on. So let's see the G's. We got the gadgets the, and gizmos gimmick. The gimmick, he's, he's got a hook for a hand. He's got a whole bunch of bees in his mouth, which is dope. Folklore. And the folklore. Come in the bathroom, right? In the, in the bathroom. <laughs> then, we have the, then we have the gore it, and the gratuity. The gratuity, it's... It's, it's gratuitous as far as gore, but not sexually. Not at all, yeah. Uh-huh. It's, which is interesting. Like, it's just not a sexual movie while it is still, like, romantic. Right. There's, there's actually that... Not. There's that. There's that shot where initially she's cooking dinner. She's waiting you could for. Argue that it's a sexual movie. It's just not like it. No, in it's that way. not at all. No, yeah. it's more of a intimacy thing because Candyman that, truly does love Helen. I think he really, at least, he really desires her. And I'm sure his original person was in love with that person that got him killed. And so you know, it's just it's a tragedy. But no, there's that little bit of um, where she's making dinner and he comes home and she's all happy. And then there's that cut shot where his his the little Virginia Madison or you know, but did you notice? was weird that she was wearing that shirt with no bra at the very end was i'm not going to say that was gratuitous but it was just like very i think I, that to make her to made her because i noticed shot. that too i feel like she's not wearing a bra in a lot of the movies she i don't think she's wearing a bra in the entire it was just movie. that one because I mean, it was i think it made her there. i think it was to make her look young was it to make her look everything that virginia madison is not wild free spirit young because virginia madison is very prim and proper like you said when she was making a dinner i was like virginia madison you're wonderful you know because she's over there just having a good time oh hey honey you're home and just so happy to see her oh now. you're talking about the young girl wasn't yeah the young girl the, the second, younger wasn't the second yeah, time the she's what scene? at the very end when when you would remember this when break. he gets no because it stood it stood out to me because it's at the very end when uh Xander Berkeley's character it's at the very end and he's in the bathroom crying and, and she's, she's cooking out. dinner just slapping shit around getting all pissed off because he's like how about a dinner he's like right now no 
His wife just got, <laughs> well, his ex-wife just got thrown into an asylum again. No, just died. She they just died. had the funeral. So, of course, she's going to be like, eh, I kind of want a minute alone. I'm making dinner. Slap. That ending is so great, uh, though, when she comes to get him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, even and then, terrifying. The, the funeral scene as well, actually, when you ultimately have this, someone that they think is a murderer, so they got like three people at her funeral, and then the community shows up, the one that she, you know, she rescues the baby, she killed Candyman, and she herself becomes then the a new, Candyman. Yeah, the, the new urban legend, so much that there's a mural at the very end. But this is something also, you kind of touched upon it, but the, maybe even like the whole white savior aspect, that kind of comes a little bit into play with something like this. Can you see that at all with Helen's character? Little bit, but I mean, she yeah. did kind of kill Candyman. I mean, she was the one that like would listen, right. you know. But, but the, yeah, that does present a story with a white savior. Yeah, again, you know, against a community that is largely African American. So just, again, that's I thought not, about that with them making the film, how they felt about it, like all white filmmakers making, you know, like going into an area they don't know a lot about, stuff like that. And then I, like my perspective seeing it, I don't know the perspective of watching that if you grew up in a place like that, sure. if that's anything like it is, or if it feels like it's pandering or offensive or, if or it's whatever. Just, or if it's just a movie. You um, know. Yeah, I have no idea. I was, I was curious on that, because again, you can view this movie in many different ways, you know, just straight horror, allegory, metaphor. I also saw that mural because she looks menacing. She looks like, because she's got fire on it. So maybe that's another like... See, I, Warning thought, I thought they had her more angelic looking. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, seriously. Two different interpretations again, very, here. But, yeah. but she had the fire behind her. So yeah. I think that's part of the story, though, that she, you know, again, that's part of the folklore now. Don't say your name five times. She's going to come she gonna fuck burn you up. You're yeah. going to be lit, as yeah. the kids Will say. Will you guys say what? Helen five times in the mirror? Yeah. I wouldn't mind Virginia Madison. Oh, no, because man. she's coming in scary. No. I think G- Genius will be asking Virginia Madison to go in the bathroom. Is that Genius deal breaker? Not a deal breaker. I love to look in the mirror. Daniel Harris, Daniel Harris, Daniel Harris. No. Um, okay. <laughs> one, Inappropriate. One thing, <laughs> one, thing I, one thing I was wondering, like when the kids, when, when the kid throws Candyman's hook into Helen's grave, that guy who was researching Candyman, he was there, he was like, is, is that... Is that Candyman? You know, just like trying to get it or something. You know, like he should. Vi- she should visit him too, and just like fuck him up. Well, did now? Did he ultimately say Helen five times? Because I counted. I think I only counted four times. So I, I counted four. Okay, damn. That's bullshit. He says it. He has to say it again. Right? That's what I thought. Maybe too. he's like, mm-hmm. nope. I don't believe you guys. We gotta mm-hmm. watch it right now. <laughs> to the projector. Prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was only four times. That doesn't matter, though, because like you said, that scene is still scary as all get out when you get that crazy blinding imagery and then she's got the hook mm-hmm. and then you get Xander getting his. And, and, and then what I like about it is is the girlfriend comes in and she's got a knife. And the so I'm like, oh, oh, no. Hell yeah. <laughs> Make the girl look crazy mm-hmm. again. Pretty sneaky, Helen. Mm-hmm. Um. I have my like framed picture of Candyman that he signed for me that says like Jill be sweet ah. whatever on my fucking bookshelf. <laughs> see, Love it. Now if you see him again, you, what are you going to do cuz uh, your paths are going to cross again, okay? You guys run in the horror circle, you know, you're putting out films, you're going to cross paths with Candyman I gotta again. I got to work with Candyman. How are you going to mm-hmm. compose yourself? What are you going to do when he's uh well, hello there, Jill? 
I can't. Are you going to call him Hank Candyman? Candyman, get to your spot, please. (laughs) Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. I'm going to put him in a movie as Candyman. (laughs) What else could he be? There you go. There's a. I know you're not a big, the biggest fan of Holliston, but uh, Adam Green and he put together that little sitcom called Holliston, yeah. and he had Tony Todd come on. I enjoyed that. Play, did Wait, you watch that episode? He where was he's hilarious. The Didn't he play like he was like, like totally just, just like a, living off his couch, like a total. What's the word? Rolling, getting like on the, the guy on the couch. Candyman here. Yeah, the guy on the couch just, just totally like it's, living off of him. <laughs> What it's, the fuck? I can barely remember it. It's pretty that? glorious, though. But that's the best thing about him is he he's he he doesn't take himself too seriously. Like he takes the craft seriously, obviously. You know, because he's and he's been in so many good movies as well. And he knows he's Candyman. You know what I'm saying? You you know if you're if you're Tony Todd, you know you're Candyman. We should again. We should all be so lucky to be because he will live forever in celluloid in our fears and our dreams in the re- bathroom in the <laughs> he's different also because he's not wearing a mask like all the other guys he's yeah that that's what makes him so much more like i see him in another movie and i'm like scanning man what the other guys can i it's like well, nah. robert england i'll do that with because he's really like mostly just fucking freddy krueger but anyone else could pop up in a movie and i'm not like that because it's like he is Candyman. He's mm-hmm. not wearing a mask, nope. for fuck's sake. And he's not disfigured by any... Well, granted, the, the, the hand... The hand and the hook and all and the, the inside but, of the coat, but... The moneymaker? No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. That's, I mean, it's Tony Todd. You know, it's, a, it's again... That's a, a sweet cloak, too. Oh, he's a dapper dude. Everything, he's a dapper killer. It's. It, I feel like there's, like, fur on the edge is. right here. It's very <laughs> fancy. He's wearing, like, a cape. Yeah. Because yeah, he's wearing clothes from his probably his time, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a cloak or something. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying. I'm going through the remainder of my notes okay. here. I'm gonna want to make sure that we we're not missing anything. Oh yeah. We're By gonna the bring way, these microphones up into the bathroom for the experience. Helen smokes like a goddamn chimney. In this. Yeah, she does. And that's just a random observation. Hmm. Nothing bad about it, but she's smoking she's in the school. Packing a half she a day. Before the truth commercial the started. <laughs> right? She's over there smoking in the police station. You know, it's just like uh, all over the place. Yeah. Just again. At dinner. Can't smoke in restaurants anymore. Yeah, this is a d- another time. Another place. Truly. Uh, I can't recommend this film enough. Now, the sequels, them, I actually haven't seen the sequels. Ever? I have no. Yeah, I see farewell to the flesh. Okay, but what about the third one? Day of the Dead. I yeah. don't remember. Okay, have I even seen it? I, I would want to say I. I think I've seen it. I remember seeing it, but I remember Candyman being only in like ten minutes of the movie. It was one of those. Well, he doesn't actually come into this film and almost like forty-five minutes in. That's true, and it still works though. But whispers in the wind. Well, of course, except for that little bit of the intro. That's there. all you need. I will tell you from groin to gullet. Just like ugh. now, could you do a battling Tony Todd versus Ian McShane? <laughs> um, Ian, why, Mister Candyman? Welcome to the Continental. You know, so like that's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> Final thoughts, uh, Jill, on Candyman. Candyman, goddammit, <laughs> Mister Flower, please make <laughs> the presents. Final thoughts on Candy. I mean, just you know, anything that we're missing. Man, I don't know. It's. It's tough. It's tough because, again, I'll go back and listen to this and go, God, why didn't we talk about blah, yeah. blah, blah? Because that's what's good about this film is there's so much to mine into it. Other thoughts, Genius? I thoroughly enjoy it. This is one that I see, I think it's in my rotation, at least every couple of years I watch it. And I think this is one, like you said, this you can show normies. You can show, like, look, this is, this is a good slasher movie that's not indicative of what other slasher movies 
are. This is what a good slasher movie can be. This is what good horror. This is a great representation of horror as a genre because it's not. It's really gory. Is. It's not gratuitously gory. Um, you have pathos for the monster, but yet you, he is a monster, and so it's and it's and just scary. Scary, scary, scary. There are, there are a million movies we could have kicked off with, but I'm really glad that we kind of set the tone for our Summer of Slasher series with Candyman mm-hmm. uh, because we are going to kind of go all over the map here. But um, ultimately, make sure if you are in the area, again, this is going to be coming out on, this is June, it'll be on, sorry, June 7th. So next weekend, uh, again, if you're in the Chicago area, check out the Cinepoc. Ooh, there it is. Uh... What good is blood if not for shedding? What is music for if not for listening? (laughs) What's good for rap snacks if not eating? Now we'll get to our rap snack reviews. And if you're following Jill, uh, Jill, where can you you find, where can people find your rap snack reviews? YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) There's three episodes out already, guys. Watch them. There's going to be a few more coming soon. We're about to record them tonight. Oh, boy. Sneak behind the curtain there. (laughs) So until next week, and we go into, uh, I believe we're going to go into... Late to Rest. Going and talking about a little bit of Chrome Skull action. And that's one I've never seen. Now, have you seen Late to Rest? I have not. It's good. It's good. It's a good movie. So I guess we'll see what I think of it. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. (laughs) 